Hard Place, a novel by R.A. Jacobson. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Chapter 5. Jacob thinks Whitey is stupid. Jacob's headlight pushed at the dark as he tore down the highway. It was a bubble of light he chased, a cocoon in the dark. White lines flashed past, blurring through his headlight wash as he pulled on the throttle. The air was cold on his cheeks. He crouched, getting closer to the heat coming off his knucklehead. He squinted into the wind, remembering Billy, remembering his friend. Flashes of Billy's eyes staring at him, the sad-skinned dog, Billy's hideous grin, and his tiny, bloody body, his sexless body. He pulled off the blacktop, backwheel skidding into the Old Scratch Tavern gravel parking lot. The neon sign coated the lot with a dark red laced with uncertain shadows. Jacob revved the knucklehead once and shut the bike off. He became keenly aware of the quiet. He sat, relishing the novel silence, then leaned the bike on its stand. The bike ticked as it cooled. The lot was nearly empty. A couple of beat-up old trucks, and off in the shadows, a long, dark car lurked. The four-door Lincoln was an unusual sight. Normally, he would have walked over and taken a closer look at the suicide-doored beauty, but not tonight. The building was squat and ugly, Tarted up to look like an old-time saloon, sheeted with weathered barn board, wagon wheels, and a couple of fake cow skulls. Above the bar, a neon sign buzzed. A devil, complete with horns, a pitchfork, and a pointy tail, threatened a bikini-clad woman with Old Scratch Tavern spelled out beneath the tableau. Frank, the owner, was very proud of this sign, and he should be. He had paid enough for it. Jacob's boots crunched on the gravel as he approached the tavern, A semi-screamed past on the highway behind him as he pulled the metal door open and stepped into the overheated, beer-laden air. He walked to the long bar running down one side of the narrow room. A few working men sat holding well-earned pints at high-top tables on the opposite side. Far off in the corner, a couple of bikers from the jurors racked for a game of pool. Jacob nodded to them when they looked up. Where the bar ended, the room turned left and opened into a larger room with a small stage at the end. Occasionally, Frank had live music. He parked himself on a red leather stool. Brandy pulled him a pint and smiled as she placed it on a devil's face coaster in front of him. Just a sec, hon, she said, and moved to pull another pint. He growled quietly. Outwardly, Jacob hated being called hun. He wouldn't admit it, but it made him feel special somehow. Brandy walked down to the bar to drop off a pint in front of an old farmer who looked like he was settling in for the night. She walked back to Jacob, seemingly unaware of the eyes on her. So his deal's done, Brandy leaned forward on the bar. Wait, Billy was marked? He had a deal? Jacob paused, the pint halfway to his lips. You didn't know? Brandy looked surprised. You and Billy were close. Yeah, I guess I just never noticed, and Clyde never said. Jacob looked down at his beer. Brandy shrugged. Actually, I'm not surprised. Billy saw what happened to you and wanted no part of it. He was pissed when his brother made his deal. Thought he was an idiot, but then he got to thinking and thought he was so clever. He met with the judge and sold to be lucky. Lucky? Jacob looked up. Yeah. He figured it was a safe deal. Of course, he didn't think of balance. Every time he got lucky, somebody he loved got unlucky. 
He won a toaster at bingo and his brother's arm got burnt at the diner. Shit like that. That's why he's got all those TVs and shit in the garage. Yeah, he figured pretty fast what happened if he won something big. Remember, he won all that money at the dealership lottery and then his sister died in that car crash. Yeah, I remember. Jacob took a swallow of his pint. Well, he ain't lucky anymore. Brandy held up a finger, pulled another pint, and walked over to the old farmer. Jacob drank his beer, looking at his reflection in the mirror behind the racks of bottles. A spot of red caught his eye. At first, he thought it was a reflection of the neon from the outside or from one of the bottles, but it grew. He realized it was not the same red, and he knew what was happening. The red revealed a woman walking toward him, chin lowered, naked and pale, with bright red hair. He glanced behind him, knowing as he did, there was no naked red-headed woman. He turned back, inwardly smiling at his foolishness. He watched her easy sway and soft, fleshy movements, a subtle ballet. Her hand came up, and with half-lidded eyes, she beckoned. Jacob finished his beer as Brandy returned. Not sure what's going on. Don't make sense that the skins are back. Have you heard anything? A quick glance at the mirror confirmed the redhead was no longer there. No, it's been quiet, Brandy said. I think I'll go down to Franklin Slough. See if Red has any thoughts. Brandy rocked back on a hip. Really, just for answers, not for anything else. Jacob grinned. Well, shit. Don't let her sisters catch you. You'll be in some deep shit then. Wait, did she do that fucking mirror thing? Jacob's grin widened. Well, fuck. It always feels like it can't get the fucking mirror clean after. Who's the guy on stage? Whitey something claims he sold his soul to the devil for 12 songs. Well, that's a stupid deal. Jacob slid up the stool. You sold yours for a truck talking about stupid. Yeah, well, I guess they're all kind of stupid. Outside, the night hadn't warmed up any. Jacob kicked his bike to life. The bike growled, scattering gravel, and the back tire protested as he pulled out onto the blacktop. Twenty minutes later, he pulled off the road, bounced across the frozen earth on a dormant field, and shut the bike off. It was very dark without the bike's headlight. In the distance, he could see a yard light of the Petersons' farm. His eyes adjusted. To the south, past the horizon, he could see the glow of the far-off city. He was cold. Even his knucklehead hadn't warmed him, maybe because he anticipated what he would have to do next. Jacob walked down the ditch to the willows to stand at the edge of the black, glassy water. The song of a red-winged blackbird greeted him. It was the sound of home, a greeting, and something else. He scowled, not looking forward to what he had to do. He was already cold, standing at the edge of the slough with his leathers on. The song came again. He smiled, a hard thing without real joy. He pulled off his jacket, then, reluctantly, the rest of his clothes squeezed himself, his skin bone white and already shivering, as he stepped forward to the water's edge. The muck that slipped between his toes somehow felt warmer than the water that rose to his thighs. He chuckled at a joke his gran used to tell and realized how inappropriate it was. Shrinkage would be the enemy, especially if he wanted to get some answers. That's why he was here, after all. He smiled at his lie. 
True, he would get answers, wrapped in a riddle that would infuriate him for days. He also knew the more pressing reason he had willingly gone to the slough on a chilly night. A flash of brilliant red and a blackbird blurring, morphing as it landed on a small tuft of dry brown grass and mud a short distance from him. A confusing vibration in the air and she was there. She was a woman best described as full. Full lips, full breasts, full hair, shocking red hair. She stood there, pale, starkly white, silhouetted against the dark gray-green of the surroundings. She was waiting. He pushed forward, the water now at his waist, keenly aware of the frigid line that crept up his skin with each step he took. Suppressing a shudder, he gritted his teeth. The cold was everywhere, inescapable, all-encompassing. It was quickly becoming dominant in his mind. He worked at pushing it aside, dripping wet, shivering almost uncontrollably. He stepped up onto the relative dryness of the mound where she stood. He towered above her. Nice to see you, Jacob. I've been thinking about you. Red's smile had an edge he was unsure of. Yeah, I saw. I'm always impressed by the mirror trick. She tipped her head, an oddly animal movement. He thought of the way dogs tilt their heads quizzically. He was reminded of the distance between them. She wasn't completely human despite her appearance, so her motivations were not necessarily the same. She moved forward and embraced him. He groaned with relief. She was all heat, all warmth. She was all softness, and all thoughts vanished, cold into warmth. They lay on the grass-covered mound, surrounded by cold, dark water. Distantly, he could feel the cold, muddy ground beneath him. He slipped into her like a man falling into quicksand, engulfed in her world. He lost himself in the fullness, heat, hands, breasts, hardness, softness, lips saying so much without breath, and sighs carried volumes. Minutes passed, hours, days, and months, forever passed. She was on top, her back arched impossibly. The air became alive with a flurry of beating wings. Her head flew back and she screamed. One man will burn. One will be betrayed. Everything you place in the ground will rise. Four will come seeking. They will not like what you have to say. The ants have a question you cannot answer. The truth that seems so clear will be wrong. Two words will change your life. Your guilt will be lifted. Two faces revealed. One false, one holds power when silver is scattered on pavement. She collapsed on him. Minutes, hours, and days passed, and the cold returned, seeping up into him from the wet ground. She lay, her red hair fell about, half covering him. Did you hear what you wanted? She said, her voice syrup thick, lazy, and deep. Not sure. As usual, it takes a while for me to figure out what you said. Why can't you just talk plain? He felt the mud beneath him, cold and slippery. She squirmed closer to him. Doesn't work that way. I don't actually know what I said, just the feelings behind the words. Don't go see the judge, and if you do, not without Clyde. There's something going on. The air feels different. Jacob grunted and moved, regretting the loss of her heat. She moved as well, reluctantly. Casting an apologetic smile, he stepped back into the water, turned and walked to the opposite shore. 
He pulled his clothes on. They stuck to his skin, blue and cold. He glanced back. She was standing, naked and pale, in the dark, frigid slough. The sight of her made him feel colder. He shivered, turned away, and swung his leg over his bike. As the growl of the bike receded, four blackbirds landed behind Red, becoming women as they touched the mud. Will he go see the judge? The sisters asked. She watched the horizon, though she could not see him right away. Yes, he will. But I think he'll go to the ants first. His hatred still blinds him. He doesn't suspect yet. As he rode, Jacob bent low, hugging the knucklehead, shivering. The wind made it worse. He slowed, then stopped by the side of the road. Nothing was making sense. Skins are back, or at least two are. Were, he corrected himself. Clyde's not talking, probably pissed because he left him in the garage all this time. It's been a long while since he could face the world through his windshield. Clyde would be there, would always be with him, until he died and fulfilled his contract. Over the years, he had become more resentful of the truck, maybe because it had been quiet and the two worlds hadn't looked different. Clyde was always in his head, reminding him of his stupidity, his youth. Looking into the dark, he thought of Mary Lou, trying to imagine her his age now. He realized then where he'd stopped. This is where he had made his fatal error, his deal, and where it all had gone wrong, at the crossroads. He spat and tore back onto the road, the knucklehead growling angrily beneath him. Tuesday for Chapter 6, In Truth. Stories from a Hard Place is a narrative podcast. Every Tuesday and every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another chapter from a hard place, read by the author. Opening music by Noah Zachran. Production copyright R.A. Jacobson 2021. If you'd like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hard place. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Dead Cat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Keep the shiny side up.